Hello and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Michael, better known as the Kaiju Groupie, and today I am joined by my fantastic co-host, Travis the Pebble Alexander. (laughs) Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Hello, everyone. (laughs) I have never been referred to as anything as small as a pebble because if anybody has seen what I look like, I am the farthest thing from a small rock. Well, well, your name was going to be Travis the Boulder, uh, the Boulder Alexander, but I didn't want to be offensive, so I went with Pebble. So there you go, buddy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I'm guessing this is because of me and you uh, arguing about The Rock <laughs> last week and on Twitter this Some, week. Yeah, something about that. It has a little bit to do with that. It also has a little bit to do with who our guest is going to be for this episode. Uh, Miss Destiny, better known as Kaiju Hime. Uh, her, you, uh, her, you and I had an, had a entertaining interaction over that whole uh debacle from last week so i wanted to uh start the episode off with a little bit of fun just like you always do and uh see if i can make you make you laugh a little bit and throw some shade at the same time yeah well i've got plenty of shade to throw back once we get into the news but (laughs) before we get before we get into the news i do want to uh like you mentioned just now we have a special guest that is on the podcast and that is uh destiny also known as kaiju hime and she is going to be joining us for the review of our main topic uh the movie that we're reviewing this week and she is also Mm -hmm. here discuss a very special project that she is organizing an anthology project called girls who love monsters and uh so if anybody is interested in hearing about that please please stay tuned after we do our review of the movie we talk about that in depth but before we get into all of that let's get into the news cue the beady beady cue the beady beady Ah, you beat me to it. Ah, <laughs> uh, so speaking of beating you to it, <laughs> how many of these weird uh, connections am I going to make? Ah, <laughs> uh, daggone it. So um, we we missed an opportunity to talk about the results of our last Kaiju Clash last week. So two weeks ago, we had a Kaiju Clash that was the most epic battle in the history of giant monsters. We com- we put Manila, the son of Godzilla, against Godzuki, the nephew of Godzilla, to see who won in this battle and the votes are in and after tallying up not only the twitter votes but the facebook votes and at least one vote from instagram we have a champion we are the champions my friend all right all right all right all right right. if you can't tell okay (laughs) are you done are you done? Yeah, I think I'm done. <laughs> Come on, man. Okay, good deal. Yeah, we have a champion. We have a champion. And if you can't tell, dear audio listener, uh, the winner 
and champion of the greatest, most electrifying SmackDown of all time and kaiju history was, drumroll please, you, the listener, because you had to sit through all of that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we had a comment on the Facebook group that was from our friend Sam Perrin and previous guest who said the winner is all of us. <laughs> like, yep. Yep. So, yep. um yep. but as far as the voting goes, uh Manila actually dominated the Twitter vote uh with 17 as per votes. the usual. Yeah. There is a strong Manila following on Twitter, I've noticed. There is. There really really is. It is weird. Um and this is coming from a guy who is obsessed with Yeti nipple. Um so uh it's weird. You guys need help. Uh <laughs> uh so so manila had 17 votes to godzuki's 10 votes on twitter but where godzuki excelled was on the kaiju groupie facebook group where godzuki dominated with 19 votes to manila's 11 so that brings the total to 29 to 28 which means that Godzuki only won by one vote, which was really crazy. Hmm. Okay. So I find it mildly insulting that the group that I'm actually the moderator of voted <laughs> against me in that poll to uh, put Godzuki who is who has zero powers let's just aside from being able to fly and understand the 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 gobbledygook that all the human characters are are spitting out at him he has zero powers whatsoever you guys let me down come on come on get it together o'reilly cody raiden all of you you all let me down uh, you listeners, you can't see this, but I am holding my arms up in the air and bouncing up and down like Rocky when he climbed the stairs. <laughs> ah, man. Vindication. Victory. It tastes so sweet. So. <laughs> well, okay. So that brings the tally up to what? Eight to two? So uh, it's no, no, it's a little bit different than that. I haven't, I haven't counted up. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't won many, but I won the most important one, which was this one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what, Travis, it's really interesting because I actually even picked this matchup thinking to myself, no one in their right mind is going to vote for Godzuki over Minya over Manila. Like as much as folks hate Minya and Manila, at least they can see that, He's a, still a better character than Godzuki, but I digress. I don't want to sit here and sound bitter, but I am a little bit terrified that you're going to get to pick the next matchup in a few weeks. And mm-hmm. I'm only, like I said, I'm only slightly terrified. Yeah, you be afraid, be very afraid. So we're going to be doing another Kaiju Clash coming up soon, but... Moving on from Kaiju Clash, let's get into some actual news items. Um, So, we have a trailer to talk about this week. And the trailer is... 
the movie Love and Monsters. It is a movie that stars. Oh shoot, I don't have the I don't have the actors in front of me. But it is a new monster movie that is set in a post-apocalyptic world uh, after a monster invasion that destroys most of the planet and most of human civilization, and follows the story of a guy named Joel as he travels across the deadly landscape to reconnect with his high school girlfriend, Amy. Um, and I know at least one actor who is in this, and it's Michael Rooker. So, Michael, looking at this this trailer, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on this movie? Looks like a lot of fun to me. Looks like a lot of fun to me. Like, I feel like it's there's gonna it's it's got some uh, it's got some zombie land vibes to it a little bit, right? It does. Um, yeah, it really does. Especially, especially with Michael Rooker being in there. And if anyone who doesn't know who Michael Rooker is, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's been in Guardians of the Galaxy, but he's be- but I think he's most known for uh, as being um, uh, Merle from mm-hmm. the walking dead series. He was in the first, mm-hmm. I think four seasons of the walking dead. And so that's where he's the most known for, I believe. And then plus he's done some work with guardians of the galaxy. I can't remember what his character name is there, but he plays one of the bounty hunters. He plays Yondu. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. But yeah, this trailer looks like a lot of fun. And I'm, like I said, I'm getting some really serious zombie land, uh, vibes from it. You know, it's going to be more, I feel like it's going to be more of a, Uh, a comedy than it is a serious monster movie, just given its title of love Mm -hmm. and monsters. It just begs, it just begs to be satirized, which, which is fine. I like it when we have uh, giant monster movies that can also play up some really interesting, humorous human drama. Um, And honestly, I I'm looking forward to it because it's going to be the first uh, like giant monster movie we've had in a while in a little while like not a long while because we got king of the monsters last year but i don't rem- like what other giant monster movies have we gotten recently um aside most, from king of the monsters the most recent one that i can think of that actually was like a, a full movie release um was underwater mm. which was in january okay um, all right so that's the only that's the only one I can think of uh, other than other than this one. And and so, yeah, it is nice that we're going to have a giant monster movie. Uh, and I like that this is not just a single monster. This is a world of monsters. The entire planet is full yep. of monsters and this guy has to survive. I am always yeah, scared. Sure. I am always scared about with trailers is that the tone that they are portraying in the trailer may not be the tone of the movie because that has been done. That has happened in the past where the movie that Mm -hmm. they advertise, Mm -hmm. the tone is different than what they actually advertised. Um, So I'm hoping, I'm hoping and hoping that the, that the movie is sticking to the irreverent kind of um, comedy feel that, like you said, like the zombie land feel that it has, because if it doesn't, then it just feels almost like a like a um, Pacific, uh, not Pacific Rim, um, Cloverfield, like a Cloverfield, you know, where it's like it's it's a guy oh, who's yeah, going looking right, for right. his girlfriend, you know. So it's like, th- yeah, 
I don't it, think it's going to be like that, though. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to be more of a. I think it's going to be more of a irreverent sort of zombie land feel. That's that's the impression I'm getting from the trailers. Right. And it's it's it, yeah. a really heavy first impression. Right. I, I. Yeah. That's the impression I'm getting, and I'm hoping that that is that is true to what the movie actually is. It is a true representation of it. Because if it is, then this movie is going to be a lot mm. of fun, and it may end up being my favorite monster movie of the year. Um. Since. Godzilla versus Kong didn't come out this this year. Um, so uh mm, yeah, not to sound and, bitter about it or nothing. Right, exactly. Uh and I I think it's really interesting that we found out about this movie like last week and it comes out on October 16th. Like they didn't they didn't advertise this movie like a year ago and we've been waiting for this movie. This is like they give us like a month's notice that this movie is coming out. And you can watch it and it's going to be coming I've, to I've known of this for I've known of this for at least a month, like at least yeah. a month. Like it's not been just. Yeah, I've known of it like I've seen it because I've watched like I've I've sort of known of it for longer than that because I watched, you know, like you, you're on YouTube and you watch like upcoming movie trailers and mm-hmm. you think to yourself, well, you know, COVID kind of shot that in the foot. So I might as well I might not want to watch this, but I'm going to watch it anyway. So I think it was it was part of one of those. But I but you are right. I've not been seeing very heavy promotion for it until very, very recently. Yeah, yeah. But I am looking forward to it, and I am looking forward to reviewing it on the podcast. Um, and yeah, so, we will. We'll put it up. Well, it'll be a part of our 2021 schedule, probably most likely. We'll we'll talk about that because um, I'd like to do it earlier than that. <laughs> Uh, here's my vote anyway. I don't know about you, dear audio listener, but my vote would be to replace our Christmas get our Christmas special Yeti with this movie. <laughs> yeah, of course. You'd use any any excuse to not watch Yeti again. <laughs> Look, I hey, me, but while we were rape. while we were waiting for you because you were running late to the recording, me and Destiny were just chit chatting, and we were chatting about Yeti. And I have converted her to a Yeti, possibly a Yeti fan because she hasn't seen it yet, but she is going and she's going to watch the movie. She is so excited. She seemed very excited to watch the movie. So I am like, yeah, I hope you apologize. Another convert. I hope you apologized in advance. No, I hope you apologize to her in advance. (laughs) And absolutely. Destiny. Listen. Listen, Destiny, listen, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I was running late to the recording uh, and you had to listen to all that. But please stay very, stay very, very, very far away from Yeti. I have to watch it because Travis is my friend and he's really excited about it. Um, So that's the reason why I have to watch it. But you shield your eyes far, far away. From they, Yeti. they dubbed the dog. They actually dubbed the dog. This movie is amazing. <laughs> anyway, that's enough Yeti talk. Um, Love and Monsters <laughs> looks good. Really excited. Um, so if you haven't checked out the trailer for this listener, please go check out the trailer for Love and Monsters. Uh, we'll include the link mm-hmm. in the show notes if you want to just go there. And it, yep. like I said, it looks fun. And we're going to review it on the podcast. So. Uh, moving on to the only other bit of news that we're going to cover today is Tremors is getting a limited edition Blu-ray from Arrow Video. Uh, now looking I at what saw Ar- that. 
yeah, looking at what Arrow did with the Gamera set, this is exciting because you know it's going to be good because Arrow does not pull any punches when it comes to the special edition, uh, limited edition things. So here is what we know. Uh, Arrow is releasing a special Blu-ray for Tremors in December that features a lot of interesting special features. Uh, the features include, but are not limited to, 4K restoration, a 60-page book, two fold-out posters with artwork by Matt Frank, a documentary that interviews casts and revisits old locations, new audio commentary by uh, producers and actors, and also uh, an audio commentary by Jonathan Melville, who is the author of Seeking Perfection, The Unofficial Guide to Trimmers, which is the book I keep mentioning that I'm going to read at some point. I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, but yeah, so if anybody's interested in the full list of features, I mean, and this is like, a, a, it's a two disc set and one disc is nothing but special features. Um, check out the arrowfilms.com um, website and check out the Tremors limited edition Blu-ray. You will see it. The yeah. cover art on it alone makes it worth buying. Um, so Michael, what, what are your thoughts? I know you're not, you're not a Tremors fan, but what are your thoughts on this? I am not a Tremors fan, uh, but I was telling someone in a private message the other day that I, or yeah, yesterday, I was, uh, I would be tempted to get it uh, for the artwork and all the special features. Okay, so I'm not the biggest Tremors fan. I'm not. Um, I I remember liking the first movie, but all the others, but all the sequels that came after that were lackluster in my opinion, but I need to go back and revisit the franchise. I haven't, I have not visited that franchise in several years. So I'm only coming from an out sort of an outsider's perspective. Uh, I remember liking the first movie. I remember being actually really scared of the first movie, honestly, as a kid when I saw it. But um, but yeah, the artwork is phenomenal. Matt Frank is going to be doing the artwork, same as when he did with the with the uh, Gamera set. Um, not sure how many copies of this particular one there's going to be. Like we talked about the Gamera set, there was only eight thousand. This I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll be more. Who knows? Uh, so this is going to be great for anyone who's a fan of, you know, the original trimmers, just like yourself, Travis. Uh, and from what I know, it's not going to be the other movies. It's just going to be the, it's just right. going to be the original trimmers the movie one. remastered. Yeah. Remastered in 4k UHD and then a bunch of special features, which look pretty, pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. And all of this is really, uh, it's, it, I'm surprised that it's happening now instead of earlier in the year, but it, it does make sense with this this year being Tremors' 30th anniversary. Um, so all of this makes sense. I am glad that that we are getting a very special limited edition of this movie, and the artwork alone is amazing and just looks beautiful. And I, I just everything that's in here looks great, and so. Yeah, uh, it, I mean, it's, we're not surprised. Arrow did such a great job with the uh, with the Gamera set that it makes sense that they would do great. And so what this also tells me is that I am really looking forward to seeing what else Arrow does, because if they if they feel like it's a viable option to keep doing these limited edition special edition collections like this, I would love to see what else yeah. they do. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
for for sure because i uh i have i have friends in this community who are huge into like the physical media stuff and are super impressed by what arrow is putting out this is not going to be the only giant monster movie that they're going to be putting out in fact i think warning from space is already out mm-hmm. um and that one's not received as much fanfare as this particular one because this has you know Matt Frank art attached to it and all the other special features like the poster and and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it just it looks like a really good release. And from what I've seen, I think uh, uh, I got someone sent me a screenshot of the price. It looks to be around thirty one ish dollars. Yeah, it's it's somewhere around thirty dollars. Um, I think it was it was twenty it was twenty pounds um plus plus shipping and tax and everything so whatever that converts over to uh in usd um but yeah so it's yeah this is exciting and it's exciting even if you're not a tremors fan just because of the potential of what else is arrow going to do because if they keep cranking out quality sets like this I'm excited to see what else they do. Uh, that's going to be it for the news for this week because we want to spend as much time as we can with our guest, uh, Destiny. So we're going to go ahead and hop over into our main topic and introduce our guest. All right, let's go. Now to get into our main topic for this week, we are bringing in a special guest to the podcast. It is Destiny, a.k.a. Kaiju Hime on Twitter. How are you doing, Destiny? Hello, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, we've Travis and I have been looking forward to uh, having you on for a little while. Uh, we're both big fans of your work. Uh, we're both big fans of just <clears throat> your presence in the community as a whole. And yeah, it's, I'm sure it's going to be fun and it's going to be a pleasure having you. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. And to, uh, in case anybody out there does not know your work and who you are, would you like to do a little intro for yourself? Okay, sure. Um, my name is Destiny. Uh, you may know me as Kaiju Hime, that is sort of the persona that I crafted for myself. Um, I'm not sure. I don't want to tell my entire life story, but that's pretty oh, yeah, much no. who I am. No, <laughs> what just, I'm about. Yeah, well, so, so you are a, an artist, and um, yes. you have uh, a lot of fantastic art that you share on your Twitter, um, which is at Kaiju Hime um, on Twitter. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, how would you describe your art style, just to give everyone an idea, if they haven't seen your art style yet? So my art style is very uh, kawaii, so that <laughs> Japanese for cute, right? Um, right. Cute and sparkly. So I, as an artist, you know, I you always kind of go through, like, transformations and trying to understand what your own personal style is. Um, so my art style really is, uh, several years ago, I felt like I was really in a rut with what I was doing and I just wanted to kind of go back and do what used to make me happy about drawing, um, and kind of revisit that in my work and then just letting myself kind of have fun with it. So, um, I always really liked dinosaurs and I've always really liked anime and I've always really liked Godzilla and 
and I like to draw those things. And then when I look at other Godzilla artwork, I was like, you know, I want to do something that is different. That's not just here's a big, mean, cool Godzilla and he's roaring and he's blasting something. And I was like, you know, what are, um, how can I share what I love, which is these giant monsters, but also a juxtaposition of them being friendly and cute. So uh, that's really what my style is. I wanted, I draw things that are round and bubbly and bright and colorful and kind of funny at times. Um, so. Yeah. Doing, I, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> doing, I was just saying, no, it's fine. I was just saying like doing that makes me happy. And the um, response that I've gotten over the last couple of years, sharing my work online, um, seeing how, other people really enjoy it. I think that has just, that's where I am right now. I'm just in the state of like, I'm so happy that I'm doing something that makes me happy and it makes other people happy. And yeah, yeah. that's where I want to be. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. really interesting destiny because a lot of folks uh, who are, <clears throat> excuse me, who have very creative personalities, a lot of times, uh, even though they are so creative, they don't all, they're, they're not always doing exactly what they love to do. Right. They're, they're stuck in the nine to five kind of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm going to clear my throat here. <clears throat> cut Travis, cut this out. Uh, sorry, but yeah, destiny. I really, really enjoyed that about your work. I mean, it's, it's fun and it's positive. And, um, you know, I, I know a lot of artists that I talk to, they just kind of go through the motions and do what pays the bills. But you seem to really have a passion for the artwork that you do. And that, and that, and to me, that makes a world of difference when you oh. can see that. Thank you. Yeah. I am very fortunate in the sense that doing this work is not my nine to five. Um, so my, my day job, just a little bit more about me is that, mm -hmm. Um, I'm a user experience engineer. So really? my, yes. So my nine to five is I'm working um, with people. This It's part psychology, part artwork, part um, uh, web user, development. Like, sort of like user personas. Like, cause I am, uh, I'm an art director by day. That's my, that's my day job. And so I use, I do a lot of user experience design. And when we start embarking on those projects, we do a lot of study like a lot of demographic study uh, into like the user who's going to be using this thing. We do, um, like I said, character personas. And so is that, is it similar to that? Yes, that is definitely an aspect of, of what I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's also design and web development and stuff okay. like that. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. I love it. Um, I'm also very fortunate in my day job to like love what I do, but because I don't, I don't have to draw to pay the bills. I feel like I have a lot more freedom to sit down. And when I feel like drawing, I'm like, you know what? Today I'm going to draw a little pink dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw this out there and see what happens. Nice. Well, that's really good. And, and your artwork is so fun. And I will definitely put a link not only to your Twitter, but to any place where uh, um, people can go and pick up uh, prints. I know you you do stickers and keychains and uh, enamel pens and things like that. So uh, I will include those links in the description of this episode for anybody who's interested. Um, I was just looking at uh, your um, 
Twitter and I remembered the art, a piece of art that really stuck out to me recently, which was um, Manila wearing the Gabra onesie. Ah, uh, yes. That, <laughs> so <Yes>. I... <laughs> That was that was really fantastic. I got a good like I I was uh, I was uh, full disclosure. I was probably having a rough day that day, and uh, I saw that when as I was scrolling, and that yeah that that gave me a chuckle. So I really appreciated. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm I made that piece for um, a ghost con that's going to be at the end of this month, and I yep. wanted to do something special because. I don't really have any Halloween themed art and it's like Halloween themed mm-hmm. con. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, Oh, I've never made an enamel pin before. And I'm like, wouldn't this be like really cute and funny. And I showed the artwork to my husband who was like, Oh, did he skin him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause that was the uh, sort of the comments that I kept seeing online. Destiny was like, Oh my God, Manila is a, is a, beast uh, I, about said something. I, yeah. Travis, I about said something else uh manila is a beast he skinned his bully and conquered he conquered the beast he literally did and that was yeah that was really cool i i, I enjoyed that one <laughs> that's the thing about artwork right that's the thing about art is yeah. how everyone interprets it differently mm-hmm. where you as an artist may have like one thought in mind where for me i'm like oh he's wearing a kigurumi and he's going trick-or-treating but mm-hmm. other people would look at that and be like oh my gosh he's overcome his bully and now he's wearing the skin of his victim <laughs> art is very subjective art is up to interpretation right it's, it's really up to the viewer of what you can take away from a certain piece of art see i my my view on a piece of art would be probably worlds different than what Travis or you would even think of. And really that's one of the wonderful and beautiful things about uh, doing the things that we do as creatives uh, that you can put, you can publish your work and you know, right off the bat that there's going to be tens of hundreds of thousands of people that are going to interpret that work differently. And to me, that's, that's really beautiful. Yeah, and and really that ties into the main topic that we're going to be covering the movie we're going to be reviewing because oh boy this this uh, movie it can be interpreted Good, a nice few segue ways. Travis. <laughs> um, so uh, one thing that we do each week is we like to ask a trivia question at the end of our episodes to hint to the next episode, and then we give shout outs to people who send us in answers to the trivia question. So uh, we're going to do go ahead and do a quick shout out to some of the people who sent us in some answers. Uh, and we usually, and it doesn't have to be correct answers. Um, it can be funny answers. A lot of times we really enjoy the funny answers. Um, so the trivia question that we asked last week was, what movie is based on a 2014 novel written by Jeff Vandermeer? And we got a bunch of, well, not a bunch, but we got a, quite a few responses. Um, Jimmy from NASA uh, said, Diary of a Space Warrior, The Long Haul to Venus. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Nathan, <laughs> our friend Nathan, uh, sent in The Fault in Our Space Monsters. <laughs> I I love, okay. I love the taking the the literary nerd side of me loves that they are taking actual book titles and 
in converting them into kaiju. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, then so along the same lines, our friend Nick Blackler, who always sends us in a funny answer, so we can always oh boy, Let, let's Nick, have it. He sent in the literary masterpiece: one goji, two goji, red goji, blue goji. <laughs> which, which he said, which he said is an amazing follow-up to how the destroyer stole Christmas. <laughs> <clears throat> um, Good one. Thank you, Nick, for that. Yeah, that is so cute. He's he's always he always sends us in a funny answer, and I love it. I love every time Nick sends us in. Right. Um, he does. We also had the Monster Island Board of Directors who said, Butt Rocket Kaiju 2, sit on it. <laughs> oh, not now, these guys again. Come on. And I have to say, Michael, and I'm blaming you, um, I don't <laughs> like the reputation <laughs> that our podcast is getting with all of this Butt Rocket Kaiju talk. <laughs> well, okay. Let, uh, Destiny, for you, if, if you since you don't know, since you're probably sitting there with like a deer in the headlights, thinking, "What have I gotten myself into?" Um, <laughs> what that is pertaining to is, I was on an episode of MVM Plus with the guy with Alex and Eric, and we had uh, Matt Parmley, I think, on that one. So we talked about our top five favorite um, uh, 1966 Ultraman episodes. Well. Alex's favorite, it wasn't Eric's, Travis, Alex's favorite uh, show or Alex's favorite episode happened to have a kaiju in it that they shoved a rocket up its butt to launch it into space. And oh so, my gosh. <laughs> and so, so Travis has fixated on that because he thought it was hilarious, which it is. I'm not faulting him for that, but Travis is fixated on that. And that's where you get all the butt rocket jokes, which are hilarious. But Travis, let's just embrace uh, look, the butt rockets. Let's just embrace them <laughs> and, no, and go with it. Yeah, no. There's a lot of things that we can do with butt rockets. Embracing them is not the thing I wanted to do. Um, we are family friendly, oh, and so I don't like the direction this is taking. <laughs> Um, so moving on to, to, uh, something that is absolutely family friendly. Elijah sent in the answer, Yeti giant of the 21st century. <laughs> oh boy. That is not family friendly. I'm sorry. It is not, I mean, it, it's not, not family friendly, <laughs> but it's, it is well, also, if you don't know what that movie is, it's not, it's family friendly. That movie is, <laughs> that movie is a treasure. And that movie is such a treasure. Um, yeah. Dest uh, Destiny, I don't I, know if you know what this film is, but... Oh, I asked you, Travis earlier. Okay. So. Yeah, we, we, we had a... While we were waiting for you, Michael, because you were running late, we had a, a, a long discussion about what Yeti, the giant of the 20th century, is. And I am going to go watch it and... I just, I can't wait. I'm really excited. <laughs> did, did he, did he give you the, did he give you the description that we've heard people say? I don't know who coined this description oh, no, of no. the film. And I, I think I am. I don't know. I, I keep, I keep listening back to some of the old podcasts talking about it. I'm like, did, okay. was I the one that invented this description of it? Um, my description of Travis, the movie. You can, 
I was just going to say, Travis, you can cut this part out. I just, I was wanting to make, but you don't even have to repeat it if you don't want to. It's fine. Uh, but I was just curious what you told her, your actual description oh, of that film. No, <laughs> no, I, did. I actually didn't. I didn't. Do. So I usually describe the movie as it's a weird, um, like 60s porno, but with all the sex cut out of it. <laughs> Well, well, we like had the discussion earlier that we're like, oh, the Italians are great. So yeah, I mean, Italian, the, the Italians. And I'm allowed are to great. say that. <laughs> I can say that. Oh man, oh, you boy. just gotta love the Italians and their weird, weird, weird movies. Um, so yeah. and then we get into some actual uh, real answers. Uh, not that we don't appreciate all of the great. Uh, answers that we got. Um, but Danny J from Twitter answered our trivia question with Annihilation, um, which is the correct answer. And then David, the Kaiju Apostle, um, commented with this and then had arrows. So I'm guessing he agrees with Danny because it was, <laughs> it was like in reply, but he just said this. So uh, sure. David, this is, is this what you're talking about? Um, and then chris deggle uh also sent in annihilation so uh yeah this week we are talking about annihilation from 2018 i will go ahead and do a breakdown of the cast and crew and then a plot breakdown then we can get into our opening thoughts the cast and crew is uh it was directed by alex garland uh, it stars Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Lee, Gina Rodriguez, Tessa Thompson, Benedict Wong, Oscar Isaac. It has a lot of well-known people in it. And the plot breakdown is a biologist signs up for a dangerous secret expedition into a mysterious zone where the laws of nature don't apply. Now, I am surprised I was even able to write a plot breakdown of that. <laughs> Like a quick plot, because how do you describe this movie in simple, basic terms? Like that is just that is bare minimum what this movie is about. There is so much more going on with this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So indeed, let's let's get into our opening thoughts, and I want Destiny to start us off with. So, Destiny, what are your opening thoughts about Annihilation? Like, where did you? first watch it how did you first come to know it and what what were your thoughts so i i first want to start by saying that like this is a movie that you know i like it i've watched it a couple times um i've then read the book and i love the book and i am like jeff vandermeer's uh unofficial evangelist like (laughs) like i have since bought so many of his books and um shout out to mr vandermeer actually because um i did a doodle for him of his cat with one of the characters from another book on twitter and he um put it on he printed it he made a little pamphlet for his guest room at his home Mm-hmm. And that illustration made it onto that, uh, his little pamphlet that he made. And oh, I just, wow. like, it just made my day. I was like crying. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, senpai noticed me. <laughs> 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 um, 
But yes, yeah, so I found out about this movie, I think on the internet. Um, I was like, oh, cool, all female cast, sci fi, weird stuff happens, weird mm-hmm. creatures. This is like everything that I love. So I saw the movie and I'm like, hey, that was that was pretty good. That was a pretty good thriller movie. I liked some of the weird stuff in it. Um, you know, I loved Tessa Thompson in it. Um, so I was like, yeah, I knew this was based off the book. So I want to go find the book and read the book because I am one of those people where I just really love to compare and contrast things. Mm-hmm. I love to see, you know, what the source material was. Um, how does it differ from the film? Um, what decisions they made, why they made certain decisions. Um, so I went and I read the book and I, it's actually a trilogy. So I got, I went on Amazon, I got the omnibus version. I blew through it. It's, oh wow. I can't wait to, I can't wait to compare and contrast later because I, yes. and I mean, like I had a copy I went through yesterday and I started just like tagging certain pages because I'm like, Oh, you know, I just, I love it so much. I need to read it again. Um, so then <laughs> oh, wow. I went and watched it again after reading the book and I watched it with my husband who I made him read the, I didn't make him. I suggested that he read the book. <laughs> you strongly <laughs> so, suggested? Yes, I strongly suggested. Um, so he read the first book. Um, it's, it's not quite up his alley because the book is very, introspective there's a lot of Mm -hmm. things that you can do in a written that you can't do in a visual medium right so so then we like rewatch the movie together and you know we were talking about it where he's like okay i see this and this i like this in the book better i like this in the movie better um it gives you some more insight but you know watching the watching reading the book and then watching the movie again i was just like Oh, why? Why this? Why that? Ah, you know. Um, but since we're you know we're just talking about the film right now, I just I want to say you know that I like the film. It's a it's a good solid thriller, um, sci-fi thriller film. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the director's other works. Like he did Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, I honestly am not a big fan of that movie. I saw Sunshine. I think Sunshine was decent. Um, but that with his films, that's generally how I feel where I'm just like, that was a good, that's a, that was a good movie. I might watch it again. <laughs> um, Sunshine. Was he the one that did Sunshine? I believe uh, so. Cause if I remember right, that's, um, that movie was directed by a, a somebody Mike is very well known. I'm trying to think. Uh, directed by Danny Boyle. That's right. That, that one was directed by Danny. Oh, written by. Oh, he wrote. By, yeah, he wrote yeah. it. So written he wrote. Sorry, he wrote 28 Days Later, and he wrote Sunshine. Right. the the only the um the only other movie that Alex Garland has directed um that I know of is uh. Ex Machina. Ex Machina, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which we can get into and talk about that, you know, as we're going through this movie because I have I, I that movie is one of those ones that, that a lot of people praise, I think was very well done, but I don't have the same kind of like love that a lot of people um have 
for it when it came out because I remember people just went nuts for it in the sci-fi community and I was like yeah I didn't really care for it as much as as um as, as you know everybody else was but um uh talking about this this movie in particular my opening thoughts uh for this was just watching X from Outer Space last week and then watching this movie is like melting my brain. They are so. It was like going from such a cheesy, campy '60s monster movie about a space alien to this was like, whoa! <laughs> like my brain cannot handle this. Um, and I actually remember when this movie came out. Uh, I remember thinking, oh, wow, this is, you know, it's got, it, from the trailers, it looked like it had monsters in it and everything, and I was like, oh, yeah, this looks like my type of thing, but then I never actually watched it when it came out. Um, I, it had been sitting on my Amazon Prime queue for the longest time, and just like, uh, you know, of course, uh, was it uh, uh, Modern World Problems or First World Problems? As soon as I go to watch the movie, finally, it's not on Amazon Prime anymore. <laughs> right. We so had, had to pay to, for it. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's been sitting in my Amazon queue for years. Why is it now taken off right when I go to watch it? Um, but yeah, so I was expecting, I was expecting, you know, monsters and sci-fi and everything. I was not expecting it to be as cerebral of a film. As what it is, and for the monsters, quote unquote monsters, to really not be as much of a part of the movie as they were, you know, as as what I thought. Um, so that was that's kind of my thoughts going into this. Uh, Michael, what are your opening thoughts on this movie? Well, it kind of begs the question: who really is the monster here, right? Because we see all of our um, <clears throat> we see all of our protagonists that. Because you now, and I now look, we already have a loose definition of kaiju on this podcast to begin with. Don't start bringing in that we humans do. are really the biggest kaiju. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not. Then, that's not. Because then I'm, I will make not really where I, I'm going. Because I will make a T-shirt that humans are the real kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> but what we were talking. <laughs> I have so many, every time I say something really dumb on this podcast, I always make it, I turn it into a t-shirt and put it on our, our T public um, site. So uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, Michael. I just love interrupting you. No, you're fine. <laughs> I know you do. It's fine. It's just, it's sort of a trope of the trope. It's sort of a trope of the show at this point. Um, <laughs> but we were talking last night, Travis, about how each of our protagonists have sort of these self-destructive tendencies, right? Cause you've got the, you've got our, our lead scientist here. She's got cancer. She knows she's going to die. So she just says, F it. I'm just going to go do this thing here. That's probably going to kill me, but in the name of science. And then you've got uh, the grieving wife who is our lead protagonist. And she, you know, she's embroiled in, in an affair because she's, she's lonely and unhappy and, and all the things that come with that. And it's, it, it's just so interesting to me how, like you said, Travis, how cerebral this movie is. Cause it's really not, it's really not a monster movie. And I'm not saying that the humans are the monsters. I'm just saying that the humans in it are flawed, which brings, you know, makes it even more interesting. But I like, I like this movie because it, it mixes 
sort of that hard sci-fi element with uh, a little bit of horror. And I'm not the biggest horror fan, honestly. I love hard sci-fi more than I like horror. Like I'm a huge Star Trek fan uh, more so. And I'm, I like just hard sci-fi stuff, right? And I, and I really enjoyed this movie. Um, this movie to me is, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later, but this movie is very unsettling to me. Like just these little elements like mixed, like, uh, like the bear, let's just bring in the bear, like mm-hmm. that, the whole bear, th- the, the bear thing that can scream like a woman. That is, that is terrifying. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but that, ter- that literally put goosebumps all over my legs because I just like, it was very unsettling. And then when, um, uh, Lena, I believe that's what her, our, our lead to our lead protagonist's name is. Yes. Lena, uh, when she encounters the alien at the very end of the movie, which is just sort of a refraction of herself and just the, but the music and the, and just the, um, <clears throat> the nature of that being just, it was so unsettling. And that's really the only way I know how to describe this movie in a way is just unsettling. It makes you think, and you're on edge this you're on edge the whole time. I like this is one of the very few movies and I and I believe this is a praise for it that this is one of the few that I watched and did not pick up my phone hardly any. Like you have the you know we have this tendency now of scrolling and and you know multitasking but during this movie I was I was dialed in the whole time and I think that is that is a really high praise for this film. I enjoyed it more than maybe I thought I was going to um because I knew going in it wasn't necessarily a giant monster movie and I love that stuff but I man I, there's just something about this film that that unsettled me in a good way and it's beautifully shot and it's and just the color just everything that the everything that the the crew did on this film to make it feel so surreal even in those moments where they're outside of the shimmer when they're just out, out like on the perimeter of the shimmer just everything in this film just feels like a dream it just feels so surreal to me and i really loved that aspect of it yeah yeah it it's it is this this movie is is very unique um Let's get into our likes and dislikes because uh, um, for Destiny to let you know, well, what we like to do is put together um, kind of positivity sandwiches. Yeah, um, so we we uh, we start with our positives, we do some negatives, and then we finish on some positives. Um, and I'll, we'll probably finish on discussing the actual creatures that we see in the movie. So mm-hmm. getting into the positives, um, Destiny, I'll go ahead and let let you start us off. What are some things that you really enjoyed about this movie? Thanks. Yeah, I really, a lot of what Michael said um, resonated with me as well. Uh, I watched this movie a couple times and the the concept and the themes of self-destruction, I think was really, was really well done in the, in the film and especially the visuals, um, what they, what, um, the director did to capture that um, surrealness um, just was great. I think that like I could watch this movie without sound and just you know enjoy kind of what they did with Area X in this film. Um, and I at the things that I really liked that I thought were done really well is like those moments in the film 
that were the calm eeriness you know where the biologist is walking around like the part where she sees the sawsbots like the, the little deer with the flowers on their heads i don't know mm-hmm. shout out to my pokemon fans <laughs> you know what i'm talking about if you see this uh, movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but that scene where you know she's holding the gun and she like just you know left this like high tension and she comes upon the clearing and she sees these two creatures that they you know they look familiar but they're slightly different and she just kind of lowers her gun and you have the sunlight coming in and it's this calm eeriness and that's actually my favorite scene because it captures it it captures that so well it's otherworldly really yes it's Mm -hmm. otherworldly because you've got because you because they're on earth like this is not another planet this this thing is altering things on our planet to kind of sort of create it in its own image based on what it's learning and how it's developing and i agree with you destiny that scene is beautifully shot it's beautifully rendered i actually i was i was sitting there expecting <clears throat> sort of a jump scare because every, yeah. cause you always get that. You, you get that calm, calm before the storm or that calm before the jump scare. Like she's looking mm-hmm. at the deer and the deer are looking back at her and the deer just sort of scamper off. Like, yeah. and I, I fully expected like a jump scare or to turn around and there's the bear or there's another shark gator or, or something <laughs> like something. Yeah. I, I don't, I wasn't sure, but just the way the director left that moment the way it was, I believe that it was perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I love that it didn't go into that whole, you know, now we're running for our lives again. It, because it gives you time to like breathe and absorb these different, these separate moments and really have a better understanding of area X. And like it, you know, that it gives you that sense of like, that I think is also prominent in like kaiju films, right? Where it's like, um, is this like, you know, when Godzilla is coming in as a kid, I was, you know, he's fighting the other monster and I'm like, Mm. is, is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? Like it's ambiguous. And that's kind of like what area X is in this movie. It's very ambiguous. Um, and the last, the last bit, I think I wanted to talk about that I really liked was, um, the cast was the female cast. And um, it's very empowering as a woman to watch a thriller, horror, sci-fi movie where there are actually characters that you can relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I know that like, I don't know, I get a little like, how do I talk about this in a way that doesn't seem like silly or stereotypical um you know but there's a lot of times i'm watching a movie and i'm like well that's great this is a male power fantasy that i can't relate to and Mm -hmm. but i mean otherwise it was fun to watch but i think watching this movie that there are there's such a diverse group of women um tessa thompson's character she's my favorite um she resonated with me the most um, because mm-hmm. I could, because, you know, you have the one woman who is in a more stereotypically masculine role who's like, you know, oh, we're, you know, I'm here. 
I got the guns. We're gonna, you know, blah, 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 blah. And we're gonna shoot the things. We gotta save, we gotta save each other. And then you have the biologist who's like more contemplative. And Tessa Thompson's um, lines where she's like, you know, this woman wants to fight it, or, you know, she wants to kill it. You want to fight it. You know, I don't want either of those things. And, mm. and like just having this um, acceptance, you yeah. know, I, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, I could see a lot of like my, myself in some of the things that she said. And maybe um, this is a thing that's in the book destiny. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I was, no, I, no I was just sitting here. I was just sitting here wondering to myself, did I miss something? Did I miss yes. something when watching it? Where I so okay. There's my short answer. I, I figured I did because I typically do miss something. But did I miss it where there was a reasoning why it was an it was an all women crew, or is that explored more in the book? Like not that it matters because, like you said, the cast is fantastic, and I think it works mm-hmm. really, really well. I'm just curious if that was uh, a purposeful choice or if. It was just because all of these women were just so qualified in their fields. They needed the best of the best. Well, I think the explanation, um, and Travis, you can correct me if I'm incorrect, um, but I believe they mentioned it briefly in the beginning of the film where their their reasoning was the previous couple expeditions they sent in were all men and they were all military men Mm -hmm. and they, and they like, they never received any um, like hard evidence or any or research or anything from them. So then they decided, okay. well, that didn't work. We'll just send in a bunch of smart women. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I did catch on... that. I did catch that though. Okay. Yeah, I think it... in the book, the reasoning might have been um, slightly different. Okay. Yeah. From what I've read about the book, um, they give a, uh, from what I've read, it, it, they've given they give a reason, and the reason is actually more interesting, uh, in my opinion. <clears throat> but we can get into that um, a little later. But uh, yeah, they they didn't they they did give that reason. Um, you know, it's like, well, we've all we sent in all these military men, they've failed. Let's do the opposite and see if that works. Um, but at the same time. I like that they didn't really make a big deal about that, that it was an all female uh, crew. It was just like, like, like Michael kind of going into your point. It's like these women are there because they, they're qualified. It it doesn't matter that they're women, men, whatever, they're qualified to do it. So they're there and they're going to do it. Yeah. Um, I refreshing. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can imagine it. I can imagine what well, I can't really imagine, but I, I can also uh, believe that that is a big, uh, like you, like you, you said destiny that, that, that really means a lot to someone who's not used to seeing stuff like that. Um, that, you know, the, sure. not used yeah. to seeing uh, yourself represented in a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie, I, I kind of found myself comparing it to another um, horror sci-fi film that with an all-female cast, and that was The Descent. Yes, and that's I, also a good movie. It, it is. Oh, I love that movie. Um, did that have a? Did that have an all-female cast? I don't. I haven't seen that one in years, and so that's yeah, the one all, where they go into the cat. They they go in. They go into the cavern, and all those little ghoulies are living down there. Correct? <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Just yes. want to make and, sure. 
and it is all women. It is all women from the from the be- beginning of the movie okay. to the end. It is all women, and it is okay. It is an, but that again in that movie, it's not really like dwelled on like why is it all women. It's like it just is. It just you know, it's like women are are friends with each other and they like to do things together. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever you know, it's, it doesn't really matter. Um, so I did find myself comparing this movie to that, and I I like that this movie did that. Um, I am with you, Destiny. I really liked Tessa Thompson's character the most. I think, and and I think it, you really touched on it, where uh, the the other characters they kind of have a purpose in the movie, and so they're kind of like shoehorned into filling that purpose. You know, uh, um, Gina Rodriguez's character uh, and and uh, Natalie Portman's character, Jennifer Jason Lee's character is the leader. You know, it's like they all have their roles to play, whereas Tessa Thompson doesn't really have a particular archetype that she's trying to fill, so she has the freedom to kind of be whatever and do whatever, and it kind of, I, I think it, it benefited the character in the long run. Uh, to have that freedom. Aside from, <laughs> aside from Lena, she was actually my favorite uh, character in in the movie. She in, she intrigued me the most, mainly because of what you just said, Travis. Because she doesn't really fit into a stereotypical role, like what would normally be what a role that would typically be played by a man. You really don't know where, like, what exactly her role is, and that and she's sort of a mystery, and so that makes her that made her intriguing to me. And I just enjoyed her character just overall. Uh, yeah. Throughout yeah. the movie. Now, as someone who is a fan of sci-fi, I found it really refreshing that these characters were smart and actually knew what they were doing and were at least, you know, mm-hmm. in some ways, you know, really capable, uh, and, and smart. Um, the example I give is, or uh, that I uh, had in mind was, when they get to the mess hall and they find the um, all of the evidence and all the stuff from the previous uh, teams that had gone into this this area, and they found out that the team that came before them had a perimeter set up and that they were um, doing night watches and and were protecting the area. And they they didn't even question it. They immediately was like, well, obviously there's a reason why they did that then we need yes. to do it too. And they immediately started doing it. It's like, yes, that's exactly yes. right. It's like you're in a strange area. You don't know what's going on. The trained military men obviously had a reason to create this like system of night watches. So they were like, we're not going to argue with them. We're going to do it. <laughs> right? right. It's like so many movies you watch where any other movie characters would have looked at that and been like, what is this strange language? Right, exactly. So I was like, that that stood out to me. Um, I really, and it goes into kind of what you guys have already talked about with the with how beautiful the movie is. But I love the pairing of the grotesque with the beauty. Yes, Be- because you you really see you see the the mold or fungus or whatever it is that's growing all over the place, but how brightly colored it is. Um, there's flowers everywhere. The, the shimmer is everywhere. So there's kind of this rainbow tint to everything. And, and especially there's a scene, um, where they find what's left of one of the bodies of one of the previous soldiers. And he is just kind of exploded out into this weird fungus thing onto the wall. 
and it has kind of merged into the wall. And that is a really grotesque and really frightening because you see his body mangled and everything mixed in. But it's also really beautiful because it, it, it kind of has this, these bright colors. It looks like a tree yeah. almost when it's growing. And so mm-hmm. it's just like this, this blend of beauty and, and horror that's just really, really well done. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And I don't know if uh, I don't know if Destiny will agree with me on this point or not, but it really, in sort of an abstract, in a more abstract way, it really made me think of. Uh, I don't know if this is the right term. It's probably called something else, but this is the best way I know how to describe it: Mexican skull art. Do you know what I'm? You know oh what I'm talking yeah. About? So you're thinking yeah. of the Dia de los Muertos, like yes. Um, there we artwork. go. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what it reminded me so much of because you've got. Uh, like Travis said, like the grotesque and sort of the dark mixed with the beauty and the, that big, like sort of that, that tapestry that this thing was trying to create with this decayed human body splattered against the wall. It was morbidly beautiful is really what I, is the best way I know how to describe Mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it's very, it's macabre, but also very, very mm-hmm. There we go. Um, let's get into some negatives now. We're, we'll finish up on some more positives whenever we get to it. But um, what are some, uh, what are some dislikes that you guys had for this film? Uh, let's start with Destiny again, just because you're on the top of my okay. list here. <laughs> okay, so my number one, and a lot, a lot of people might disagree with me about this, but my number one dislike of this entire film and is the explanation scene where they're explaining why weird things are happening. And it just makes me roll my eyes so hard. Um, so and, is this where, where Tessa Thompson explains like the, the refraction? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Or is it? Okay. Yeah, okay. I just want to like, make sure I, I have the scene. She's like, I know it's happening. You know, all of the DNA is being refracted and it's setting back, you know, and like horror sci-fi movies, um, they always have weird pseudoscience explanations um, Mm -hmm. for the reason why why things are happening. And um, bringing some of my, you know, user experience, putting my user experience hat on and talking a little bit about psychology. Um, the reason that, you know, we feel the need to put that in, in these movies is that as people, we want to know like a clear reason why things are happening. We mm-hmm. want to have a clear, we're watching a film. We want a clear beginning, a clear middle and a clear end. And we want the end to be, um, satisfying. And that's a pro to, to this movie that the end is satisfying. Um, I'll talk about the, the book and stuff later um but that is there's not a clear ending in the book which can be dissatisfying um but the explanation to me i just it felt so haphazard like Mm -hmm. oh shoot you know we have to tell people why this is happening so uh i don't know um the shimmer is refracting dna which right and it, and it, it, oh, I'm sorry. It to me, it felt kind of like it 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 shot itself in the foot there because the movie is 
the the way the movie is played out is you're not meant to understand what's going on and it's kind of like purposely trying to be ambiguous but then at the same time it's like but here's a clear explanation of why this is happening and or what's happening and it's like you can't have it both ways <laughs> yeah exactly and yeah um you know i would i would personally have much rather than just be like they could say maybe this is my theory i don't mm-hmm. really know or like just have the characters be like this is a strange phenomenon that we cannot explain and leave it at that mm-hmm. because i feel like that explanation just really detracts from pretty much it just it just detracts from the movie for me and then when we have like i think the director nicknamed the bear paddington oh (laughs) wow that's yeah so (laughs) you know when we have we have creepy paddington come in like watching it a second time i just had so many questions i'm like okay so um the dna is being refracted so then all of a sudden it can scream like the lady that it ripped its throat out but why is its face missing and then why is it hunting people only to rip out their throats but it's not eating and Mm -hmm. why this and why that and it took away from the spookiness for me too where i'm just like watching the scene and i'm just like i don't understand i think that their explanation made me more confused right yeah yeah it's exactly it's like what i said that it's like you're trying to be ambiguous but then you also present a clear definition of what's happening and it's like that's not Mm -hmm. that doesn't work if you want it to be ambiguous keep it ambiguous throughout the whole thing Uh, I think that was one of my biggest problems with the film is that it just seemed to go back and forth on, on that, on that note of do we want to be ambiguous or do we not want to be ambiguous? Um, Any, any other um, uh, dislikes that you want to share? Just a a couple. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) I feel bad because I, I'm like, I'm like, I like this movie, but I don't, I don't know. I don't want to be like, I don't like this or like that. Um, there's, um, one of the dislikes I like, uh, was a lot of the characters were whitewashed and Mm. I, when I first heard about this movie, I was like, I was like, what? Like how? Like I read some articles about it and I was like really confused. So I read the book and again, I can go into more of this later. Um, but there are different parts in the series of books that explain that kind of give a little hint to these women aren't aren't white like white isn't the default right so mm-hmm. you find out you find out in the beginning of the second book that the biologist she's asian mm-hmm. and then you find out in another book that the psychologist she's um like native american and um you know for someone who didn't read the entire series you may not know that um, so that was that was just a little um, a little thing that I was like, oh man, that like that kind of sucks. Um, yeah, yeah, I had heard about that, and uh, and and I heard I heard I also saw the explanation the director gave, which was that you know at the time that he was making this movie, the the second and third book had not come out, and so he didn't know that the other characters were not white. But yeah, I, I definitely see, especially putting it into the context of having the other books, that it does feel like whitewashing. Yeah. It's like, you didn't have to make these women, uh, these, you know, white women. 
<laughs> you know, just the, like you said, like just, you didn't have to go with the default, quote unquote. Yeah, at least at least for Natalie Portman's character, because, um, you know, but you know, she's she's the main character, and I think that's that's sort of where the problem comes in. But you know, <clears throat> just just a little critique. Um, the other there are other I have like little minor critiques where like, um, I felt that some of the more obvious homages to other sci-fi films like detracts from the originality or creativity in the film um and like the ending scene with the clone just went on way too long Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. the second time i watched it i was like i was like this this keeps going I'm like, we go down to the HR Giger hole and, you know, oh, oh, what's happening to the psychologist? Oh my gosh, okay, this is, we got the 2001, like, Space Odyssey mm-hmm. scene happening, and then we go upstairs, and then there's a clone, and she's going to leave, and then it pulls her back, and then they fall on the floor, and she goes to leave, and it pulls her back, and they fall on the floor, and then, like, that happens at least twice. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. I was like, you guys, you guys wrap this up, please. Yeah, it, it feels a little bit unnecessary. Like, yeah, it, it, like I I get what they were trying to do, but maybe they could have done it more concisely. Yeah, I I agree. So that's just some of my negatives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Michael, no, that's fair. The... Um, I was just gonna say I would even probably take I would even take it one step further, <clears throat> Destiny, and maybe even. In the, I know, I know the director of this movie didn't. He didn't know. He had not read the the next two books when this movie was made. I understand that, mm-hmm. but maybe even say because I would have even left the I would even left the explanation of why. Like I would maybe have said maybe this is what's going on, but this is definitely. I would not put a definite. This is what's going on on it. Like agreed, I, agreed, yeah. I would have left it a little bit more ambiguous, like up to question exactly what's going on. Maybe the science, cause you know, uh, scientists, they have to speculate, they have to have a theory, but you know, they're not always a hundred percent right on the money with their theory until something is proven. So maybe I would have done and left it a little bit more ambiguous, uh, ambiguous in that way, in that sense. Um, and as far as the cast themselves go, I would have probably taken it one step further and said, okay, so we've tapped everyone we can possibly tap here in the United States to figure out what the heck is going on. So we're going to pull the best of the best from around the world to see what the heck this thing is. We're going to, we're going to work with different world governments because eventually this will be a, a world ending problem. Um, So we're going to need some help with this. So I would have probably taken it a step further to your, to what, sort of what you were saying, Destiny, where I would have uh, tapped into a more diverse cast uh, of, of characters to come and do and build this team of just diverse people to study what the heck is going on. Uh, probably one of the, my dislikes, it goes sort of in line with what you two were talking about is the bear or the bear. If you're in, uh, <laughs> the bear. The bear. If you're in Chicago, <laughs> the bears. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, if this is if if that bear or if these animals are supposed to be mutated nature, if they're supposed to be mutated life forms, 
they still have they should they should still have characteristics of what they used to be right they should they should still need to do one of uh one or two of core functions they should still need to eat like that was something that i didn't see like it was interesting that the bear did not eat anybody he just kind of right. killed them and, and moved on right uh, bears don't always do that especially if if this is like a hyper mutated bear i would assume that his probably metabolism and everything else has been mutated to the point where he's probably got to eat a lot all the time and he's and he's hyper aggressive so he's probably gonna eat a lot uh i wish we would have seen more like i wish we would have seen more of a an actual mutated nature for the bear like you know leave his look the same the look is the look is fine uh, the skull, like his, his face halfway gone, didn't quite make sense to me unless, and this is my theory that it was a reanimated bear corpse. It could possibly have been that. Oh, that's uh, a cool idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we did see, we did see that, uh, it was later on in the movie, all the, the people flowers. I don't know what they're officially called. I can't remember what they're officially called, but the, the, um, the, the plants that look like people right Mm -hmm. that have been mutated like what if what if they what if this what if they killed the bear and then examine it to see what it was similar to what they did with the shark gator and found out that it was literally just uh skin like uh rotted skin and bones like it was a reanimated corpse of a bear that had been mutated because of this anomaly this anomaly of what's i hope i'm not even saying that word right but you know what i mean um that's happening right and so that was my main problem with it there was i wish there would have been like a i wish there would have been more callbacks to what maybe actually goes on in nature like it's it's mutated it's hyper aggressive maybe you know, maybe to have it eat somebody because I expected when they found, um, her character, her, her character name escapes me, but when they found the girl, uh, laying up against the tree in the woods, when, Mm -hmm. when Lena found her, her body is pretty much intact. Like it hadn't been touched. And I just thought that was really weird. Like it didn't, yeah, it didn't fit what really probably happens in nature. Yeah, it would have been what I what I thought when I was watching this movie is what would have been better in that moment would have been if you didn't show Lena finding the body. If you if you actually did mm-hmm. not show, if you just hinted to the fact that Lena found her but didn't actually show it, then you could leave it kind of ambiguous is the is the bear eating uh, this person, or did it eat her, or did she die some other way, or did she survive? And, and like, because later on, when uh, Anya, uh, Gina Rodriguez's character, when she starts saying, "You were the only one who saw her body," so how do we know? It's like, well, we as an audience know because we were there with her when we saw it. So if they had left it more ambiguous, even for the audience, then that would have driven up that psychological thriller side of it. Of like, well, maybe, maybe she was still alive. Maybe, you know, Lena did find her alive and just left her and abandoned her. Who knows? We don't know. So I think that yeah. would have been more impactful. I agree. Yeah. Um, my dislikes for this movie. Now, all of my dislikes, I'm looking at it have to do with the way the story is told 
Um, I have I found out that the I'm more I did it's not that I didn't enjoy the the story that they gave me it's not that I didn't enjoy the movie especially I enjoyed the visuals but I had a problem with the way the story was told. Um, the movie uses three different framing devices in the yes, to tell right. story. It, it like it uses flashbacks to when Lena comes back from the Shimmer. It uses flashbacks to her life before the Shimmer, and it uses this like weird um, thing where it like gives you the title screen and you know it says these things. So it has like these three different framing devices, and it's like you don't need that many framing devices <laughs> to tell a story. That's not that is that's way too much. That's overkill. Um, and especially because I feel like all of the flashbacks and the cutaways, not only did they, were they unnecessary, I think they were disorienting because it kind of takes you out away from the events of what's happening. And then you're thrown back into it later and you're like trying to find your, you know, find your footing, so to speak. Uh, but also I don't, I don't think they really needed them. Uh, I go back to my comparison to The Descent, and The Descent has a little bit of, of you know, it has its opening elements of, you know, laying down the, the groundwork. But once the the women are in the cave, it never cuts away from that. There is never a time that it cuts away to what happened in the past, to, you know, what happened when they escaped, what happened, you know, it, it never cuts away. And... I think that was smart in that movie. And I think that they were still, you're still able to get all of the backstory. You know, they talk about one of the characters husband mm -hmm. was having an affair with the other, you know, character and how that kind of creates tension and all this kind of stuff. You can do all of the things that they did in the flashbacks without actually having flashbacks mm -hmm. and taking away from the beauty of what's happening in the shimmer. Um, yeah, so that that that's really my main um, complaint is just the way the story was told. Um, I think uh, the the whole yeah we didn't need uh, we oh go ahead yeah I was just I was just gonna say we didn't need two flashbacks of Lena having sex with Daniel, did we? No, <laughs> we just, we just needed we just oh, needed man. one probably the last the last one with her and then she says, no, we're not doing this anymore. That's really all we needed to tell the story. Uh, because the first one is just her having a flashback and I don't, and, and honestly, as the viewer, I'm not sure if she's dreaming of past events or if she's fantasizing. I honestly don't right. know at that point. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's uh, kind of where I was getting the, where it's kind of disorienting. Cause it's like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I I really think that that I get why the affair was a part of the story because you know it adds into like what Michael was saying about the whole theme of self destruction. Um, but I still think I feel like you just you didn't need the flashbacks. You didn't need you could have revealed that in dialogue. You could have revealed that in actions as they were doing because like with with all the other female characters with all the other characters in this movie you don't get any flashbacks to their life but oh, yeah you get thinking. yeah but you get so much development for them you you get you find out about Tessa Thompson's character and how she you know she's a, a self-harmer 
um, in, a, in a very physical way, but it's not because of depression or being suicidal. It's more of just trying to feel alive and feel, you know, uh, feel something. You get the, you get the story of the, uh, the other character. I can't remember her name, but her daughter dying of leukemia and then her dealing with her own grief and everything. You get all of that without flashbacks. So why were the flashbacks in there at all for Lena's character? Right. (laughs) And I think that's, that's my biggest problem with this movie. I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, It's just having those scenes where I'm just like, Oh boy. Okay. This is, this is kind of unnecessary and it's, it's taking time away from like maybe more interesting things are happening in the present while they're in the shimmer. Like there's, Mm. there's, I feel like there's so much there that could have been explored more Mm -hmm. that they didn't spend time on. Yeah, exactly. Um, My only other complaint that I had about the movie is it's the same one I had about the movie underwater, which we reviewed, um, a while back, but they didn't lean heavily enough to me into the psychological thriller side of things. Um, I think they mm-hmm. could have, mm-hmm. they really could have built up this idea of, is any of this real? Maybe cause they already talked about how there was this time gap from when they entered the shimmer to when they wake up, which is never explained in the movie. And they, so they could, they could really, have built up this idea of maybe it's all a dream. Maybe none of it is real. Maybe none of it is happening to them. Maybe they're still asleep just inside the border and all of this is just a dream. Just, I I really think they could have leaned more into that and they, they didn't. And that was kind of disappointing because it's like, if you're going to make a, a movie that really plays with your, psychology and your feelings of like comfort then why not lean really yeah. into it yeah that was yeah. something that bugged me too travis where it's we when she wakes up in the tent uh and she says oh we're almost out of food it's been we've been here for what they say six days three days mm-hmm. um and that's never explained i'm like okay so what have y'all been doing this whole time like we're uh, where have you, what have, where have y'all been? So, and then, uh, you know, the, the lead scientist comes in and says, okay, let's go. We got to go. Yeah. And then it's just, that's it. You know, that's, mm-hmm. there's no explanation and it's frustrating. I get it. Yeah. That's one, yeah. that's one of my dislikes as well. Like there's not a whole lot that I dislike about this movie, but that is that some of the plot holes and some of the, some of the over explanation are probably two of the main ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. and if I can jump in on that as the film, should not have to rely on people knowing or reading the source material to mm-hmm. be successful. I mean, this movie is already so different that, uh, you know, to take something that is very crucial in the source material and then not really explain it, but kind of have that nod to it is like, that was a poor decision. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Actually, I don't know if I can I can pop in with like one more thing because we're oh, talking yeah. about sure go the, for it. Um, talking about the woman whose daughter died of leukemia, and then the lead scientist, the psychologist 
who they're like, oh, she went into the shimmer because she had cancer. Um, Mm -hmm. As someone who has gone through that personally, as someone, um, I have a pet peeve without, with how Hollywood deals with what I call movie cancer. Um, Because cancer in move in these movies is always used as um, a plot device or mm-hmm. kind of a shorthand to make the audience feel something. Right. They never really explore like the person who has, who has that terminal or chronic illness because, mm-hmm. you know, types of cancer aren't always terminal, but in right. movies they usually right. are. So, right. Uh, <laughs> um, right. But they, but they never really take the time to to explore what it means for that person. It's yeah. always how it impacts people around them, or it's always used as like just this like shorthand. So when they're like, you know, talking about the psychologist, they're like, oh, well, she has done 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 cancer, you know, and <laughs> yeah, and right. that's why she's self destructing because. She had cancer. And I'm over here going like, well, what kind of cancer? What's her state? What's her stage? Has she been through Mm -hmm. all the treatments? Like, what's going on? Why don't we explore that? (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) And and I'm not laughing. I'm I'm not laughing because I'm trying to make light of it. No, I, Destiny, let me just, let me be very candid here and say thank you for sharing that because, you know, I, I we appreciate you being very candid in that moment. And I agree with you because, you know, as someone who, who lost both parents due to cancer, um, it is interesting and it's a little, it's, it's almost disrespectful. I, I see why, I see why they do it, but it's almost disrespectful when, Hol- when it Hollywood is, says that because you have cancer, you are now going to be self-destructive. You're now mm-hmm. going to just, you just don't even give a crap anymore because you have cancer. You're like, you, like, why don't you show someone? And I know there are films, I'm not saying there are films that don't do this. I'm just saying that this is a very common thing with characters who have cancer. It's just sort of, it's sort of just put out there as an aside. It's like, well, I'm self-destructive or I don't, you know, I don't have the will to live because I have cancer. And it's, and like you said, it's never explained in this movie, what kind of cancer, what stage. And there's a whole lot of different factors in there that maybe they didn't want to get into because of time or because they thought it would just dilute the plot even more. But I really wish they'd have pro I really, I really wish they would have explored that just a little bit more. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I like the like Destiny. I like the point that you brought out about how uh, cancer is kind of used as like the death note, the death sentence in uh, in movies. But you know, there, there's so many people who do survive cancer and stuff. You know, and and then having family members of my own who have survived cancer, uh, it's like, yeah, you don't. The, it's such a weird. I like how you put it. It's like it's movie cancer. It's just a, a tool to get from point a to point b and it's not really uh dealt with properly and i think it is something that is a trope that needs to die because it's been used way too much now it needs to die (laughs) yeah Um, i really hope that we'll get to the point like in the near future where you know where there's a realization of like oh well we can we can share these stories but not in a tropey way Mm -hmm. right yeah, yeah. 
Um, now, I do want to, because we are a giant monster-related podcast, um, I do want to kind of talk about the monster some. So let's finish off sure. the main discussion with some uh, talk about the creature designs. Now, we did talk about the bear for a little while, and I do have some thoughts about the bear. But before we get into the bear, let's talk about the, the shark-a-gator. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, so um, we're... I gotta get I gotta get through this part so that I can share with you guys the the creatures in the book. I'm just so oh, excited sure. to share that with you. Oh, I'm I'm okay. excited too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, the crocagator or the crocagator the uh, the sharkagator thing. I I liked it as a plot device of being you know like this scary creature and introduction into how dangerous this environment is. But outside of just being, you know, having the multiple rows of teeth, there wasn't really anything special about it. Um, I've, I, I'm, I live very close to Louisiana. I'm very close to the Louisiana uh, border. And so alligators are a thing that I see all the time. And, uh, and you I You live in really, Alligator Alley, don't you? you yeah, I live, oh man, it is Alligator City. Um, so, so like, it, it was like there was nothing really special about it outside of just having multiple mm-hmm. rows of teeth, and it's like Agreed. I kind of wish they went a little bit further with its design. Like they yeah. could have, they could have, and, and I mean maybe they just wanted to kind of bridge the gap. Like the bear is so weird and so unusual, they wanted something that was more related to the real world to kind of bridge the gap. But I still think I, I would just the monster fan in me is like, you could have done so much more with an alligator design. Yeah. Oh, it could, it could have been, it could have been so much more. I, I wholeheartedly agree because like when it first shows up, I'm just like, it's a, it's big and mm-hmm. it's pale and it's got crazy teeth. I don't, yeah. I'm like, uh okay like Mm -hmm. you know and then what's also uh i don't know it's kind of weird that like you don't see any more of them so like for a lot of these creatures it's like they come across it once except for the bear because that's like you know i feel like the climax kind of creature but uh for how dangerous this place supposedly is that the film makes us believe uh, we don't really see a whole lot of other creatures. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, this movie um, d- d- it takes place down in in Florida, right? That's that's yeah. where this yeah, yeah. It, down in Florida, there are so many possums and raccoons and all kinds of things that they could have really like. They could have added all kinds of creatures yeah. in here that just that were that were like the the deer thing that they they showed earlier that maybe they didn't really they weren't uh out to kill the pe- the, the the main characters but just to show that there's more life in this forest than just one alligator I, and one bear. It's like that. Where are all the where all like the birds and stuff? Exactly. Yes, I the was birds. The See, same that's thing. what I kept because I kept thinking to myself when they're up in the observatory tower, like there's a a mutated bird that's going to fly in on them. That's what I kept thinking about, and 
I don't know. Maybe I'm cynical because I'm thinking, okay, so maybe they only, maybe they had just these few animals because of budget constraints and because it's probably expensive to, to render CGI like that. But this film is very CGI heavy. So they had to have probably accounted for that. Um, but yeah, I agree. The alligator was sort of, it was fine. Uh, it was just a big albino semi mutated alligator. There was really nothing at all special about it. I, I actually kind of wish it would have been bigger. I think that would have probably given it a more, uh, more the illusion of it's mutated and it's different than its normal species. Mm-hmm. Um, Enhance the deer the, on it or something, you know, yeah, be like, yeah. you know, give it like, be like, Oh, this thing is weird because it has shark teeth and, and gills yeah. and it's, mm-hmm. it's spines are turning into dorsal fins or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that'd been, that would have been awesome. That would have been yeah. awesome. But, you know, I'm like you, Travis, the bear was meh. You know, it's I wish they would have done more with the bear. I wish that the bear would have probably been this looming. Like you've got these you've got some of these films where there's an animal antagonist, like the, the big threat. The big boss is an animal. And you've all and you've got this constant kind of looming presence like in um, uh, Jurassic Park. The T-Rex uh, Rex mm-hmm. is always sort of a looming presence. And you get that because in the first few moments they're on the island, uh, John Hammond's like, we have a T-Rex. Yes, we have a T-Rex. <laughs> and so that's in the back of your mind that whole time that there's a Tyrannosaurus Rex on the island somewhere. And that thing is probably not going to be uh, a very good thing to interact with. And so I wish that they would have done more with the bear, like slowly built it up just a just a touch more. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't get enough of it. The, the deer, honestly, the deer were really, they were beautiful. I, I really love how they did that and how they executed their design and how they uh, were sort of mutated by their environment. But honestly, I'm more interested in hearing about the, the creatures in the book because from what I understand from the way Destiny was saying it just now, the creatures <laughs> in the book are probably more interesting. Yes, yes. yes. And so we <laughs> usually will do, <laughs> we will usually do fun facts um, for our, you know, for like the last little bit of a segment. But instead of doing fun facts, I decided since Destiny is the only one of the three of us who has read the books, um, to let her just kind of explain to us some of the differences and some of the things that the book might have done better, like the monsters. So I will give the floor to you, Destiny, and let you uh, educate us in in the in this these books. <laughs> As I hear her, uh, I can hear her uh, uh, rifling th- through her pages and notes right now. Oh, wait, right. wait, wait. <laughs> hey, you, hey, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I'm so excited. But before I get into some of the monster stuff, just a little bit of kind of like the back, uh, some of the context, right? So we talked a little bit earlier about like when they first go into the, I'm going to say quote unquote shimmer, because in the book, they, the shimmer doesn't exist. The shimmer, it, area X is the shimmer and where they are they start out from um, this organization called the Southern Reach and they are a like kind of top secret government organization kind of thing that is, um, has been monitoring the growth of area X and there have actually been 12 expeditions and not like a handful. Um, so, so, um, and one of the things that is very prominent is um, before 
the crew has goes into Area X, they have to be hypnotized. So they go through this state of hip, getting hypnotized and go, undergoing hypnosis. The idea is um, they found that if they didn't do this and they just brought people into Area X um, through the border, which and in order to get into the area, there is a actually very, very small, specific, tiny part like that's kind of like this uh, tunnel that they have to crawl through to get in. So it's not like a bubble where you just walk right in. Um, mm. They found if they didn't hypnotize people, they would essentially lose their minds. So um, and they talk about it a lot in the third book when um, the biologist clone Ghostbird she goes back she had come out of area x and then she goes back um so it's this kind of crazy psychological um thing where it's like it's it's something that a human brain cannot process because it's like you're kind of crossing through galaxies because you find out later that um the thing that has caused Area X is either from another dimension or from outer space, something like that. And it came to this world and um, it had it grew here and it was sort of creating its own space. Now, uh, Jeff Vandermeer is very active in, um, and vocal about the environment and climate change. And so the whole premise for the Southern Reach trilogy that kind of gets lost in the film is that this is more of an ecological thriller. And I feel like that is more in common with the tones in kaiju films like Gamera, for example, because I've been rewatching Gamera films um, where they're like, we have rent, you know, and it's, mm -hmm. it's yeah. kind of like that. And so the, in the books, it's less of like everything here is trying to kill you. Mm. It's more of the characters are, you know, it's like this is, this is making, we're making peace with this interesting, weird place, you know, mm. and we have to learn to, because the last, the last book is entitled Acceptance. So we have to mm. learn to accept what's happening because this is, there's no clear ending. Area X in the book is implied that it's eventually going to take over the planet. So, right. you know, learning to come to terms with us as humans, the kind, the, how we are, and then this, you know, what it would be like to come to, um, you know, take care of the environment, that sort of thing. Right. Yes. So, um, it's interesting because it's uh that's a common thing in I think sci-fi like creature sci-fi creature features and and things like that like you you usually have that that line in the movie where it says we're not the dominant species anymore we're right not, yeah <laughs> you, that's it's sort of like that but that's a really probably watered down version of what you what you were just talking about mm -hmm. yeah and so the first book's called Annihilation because that's one of the key terms under hypnosis. So I wanted to bring right. that up because watching the movie a second time after I've read the book, they're like, oh, we've been here and we're out of food and what's going on? And they they pan over to the psychologist who um, she, you find out later she was actually the new director. She uh, put this team together. She was, you know, spearheading all of the, the hypnosis 
Um, and, you know, they, in the movie, they kind of like pan over to her and she like kind of like does a side eye thing where they're like, we don't remember anything. And she's like, and I'm like laughing because I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that's the nod they did to her hypnotizing everyone. Okay. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. Um, and so one of the, the key ter- the trigger words under hypnosis was um, annihilation. So if things got too bad and she would say annihilation, everyone would then just kind of self, self-destruct. Okay, so monsters. The bear, I believe, is supposed to be what they call in the book the howler. And this goes back to one of the points we were talking about earlier is that um, I think, Michael, you were making about the T-Rex in Jurassic yes. Park, where it's yeah. always there and it's always in the back of, you know, your mind. That is mm-hmm. very prominent in the book because they talk about when they first come into Area X, there's they hear this howling every night. And so they're huddling together and they have their weapon, like, you know, they're like right. protecting each other and they're like, you know... They're, they're like, what, you know, what is this thing? Is it out to get us? We don't know. But every night they just hear this howling. Interesting. Um, so the biologist, and I say this because in the book, all of the characters, they don't have any names. So they don't, um, they found that technology does not work at all in Area X. So they have only the basic things like, um, like knives and things to protect themselves and sure. everything is done in like notebooks. So there's no video cameras or anything. So you're reading a journal entry. So the biologist eventually she meets the howler and instead of it being a weird bear, it's, mm-hmm. it's a, like a person with too many arms and a weird face. And it's this really creepy, like hyper mutated thing. That's howling, and it's howling not because it's coming to kill you, but it's obviously like distressed, like its body's not working correctly. Right. And one of the explanations in the in the book is that whatever landed here on Earth is trying to make sense of the things around it, so it's constantly creating, and. Mm And so sometimes the creations kind of fail. Right. So that's one of the creatures. Um, It's experimenting. It's experimenting in in its own way. Exactly. And then um, in the film, the, the clone creature that you meet at the end, I believe is supposed to be what they called the crawler. So Hmm. in the book, they come, the first thing that they come across is it's like a hole in the ground and they go down, but here's where the psychological element kind of takes place is the biologist is writing, well, we're going down, but I knew that we were, that it wasn't, we weren't climbing down something, we were climbing up something. So she calls it the tower. And within the tower is a creature known as the crawler. And it's kind of this large bulbous mess that hmm. is, kind of translucent and on the inside you can kind of see like the form of a man and it has these like glowing halos that wrap around it and it has one giant arm and it's just writing constantly and it's writing turns into those colorful flowers that are just blooming 
and covering the entire space. And it keeps writing like this strange, almost biblical text over and over and over again. And when the biologist gets too close, a spore comes out of the flower and comes into her and it starts to transform her on the inside. She calls it the brightness uh-huh. and the brightness slowly starts to take her over over time to the point where she starts mutating. And so if you don't mind, I wanted to read an excerpt from the third book that talks about the biologist when Ghostbird returns to Area sure. X and beats her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, yeah, yeah, I think uh, Travis and I would both love that. I think that would be really interesting. Go ahead. Yeah, awesome. definitely. Awesome. And I hope that this isn't against copyright or anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We uh, have we we have a disclaimer on all of our stuff. So okay, great, cool. So I'm just gonna read just a little bit. So this is when Ghostbird makes it to the lighthouse that we see in the film. Um, and she goes up to the lighthouse and she's, so I'm going to start here. The mountain that was the biologist came up almost to the windowsill so close. She could have jumped down onto what served as, as its back. The suggestion of a flat broad head plunging directly into a torso, the suggestion far to the East already overshooting the lighthouse of a vast curve and a curl of a mouth and the flanks carved by the dark ridges like a whale's, and the dried seaweed, the kelp that clung there, and the overwhelming ocean smell that came with it, the green and white stars of barnacles on its back, and the hundreds of miniature craters of tidal pools from the time spent motionless in deep water, time lost inside that enormous brain, the scars of conflict with other monsters pale and dull against the biologist's skin, It had many, many glowing eyes that were also like flowers or sea anemones spread open. The blossoming of many eyes, normal, parietal, and simple, all across its body, a living constellation ripped from the night sky. Her eyes, ghost bird's eyes, staring up at her in a vast and unblinking array. As it smashed into the lower tower, seeking something, as it sang and moaned and hollered, Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's wow. That's amazing. That, yeah, that is that is completely different than what we got. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I think I would have liked that more. Yeah. So the things they were so crazy and I read that at the end and I'm like, he turned into a freaking kaiju whale. Right. <laughs> like that is so awesome. I'm wondering though, at the end of the movie where we see uh Lena encounter the um the alien i guess is the being i don't Mm -hmm. even know what to describe it as but it looks sort of like this big all-seeing eye like the like the eye of sauron oh Um, yeah yeah like i'm wondering if that was supposed to be that like or was that something totally made up what i'm wondering is is it an is it a nod to the book or is it something that the director totally came up with himself well it could have if he didn't read the last book, um, uh-huh. then I don't think it would be a nod to the book. Sure. But, um, I mean, it's very possible, like, it's, I think that creature is supposed to be the crawler. Oh, uh-huh. also, I had this open, and I wanted to read this, um, a quote from the director about sure. his film. 
So he, he had described the film as an adaption, which was a memory of the book rather than book reference screenwriting to capture the quote unquote dreamlike nature and tone of his reading experience. So it's kind of like he read the book and then was like, oh, this would make a good movie. I'm just going to write down what I remembered. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a thing, there was a thing in a hole and it was weird. And then there was a howler and that was weird, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. It feels yeah. kind of like the, like he just, he didn't really adapt the book. He was doing more of, he was taking the ideas of the book and then doing something completely new, completely original. Um, which I think is fine, but at the same time, it's like, if you're, if you're saying this is Annihilation, this is based on this book, you should have done more with the, you know, from the book, especially if the book is so much better, because from <laughs> what you've read, the book is so much better. <laughs> right? And that, yeah, and um, what's interesting is, in the film, Tessa Thompson's character is actually more like the biologist character in the book. Mm. And so I thought that I thought that was really it was really interesting. I don't know why they made that decision. Maybe they felt maybe you felt that that character type was not as impactful as like a main character. Um, but the biologist is really more so like her whole thing, you know, I she is invested in um, environmental biology and looking at ecosystems and tidal pools and things like that. And that was another thing in the movie where I'm like, why is she studying? Why is she talking about cancer? Why is she talking about cancer cells? Where's this going? Yeah. I have, I have found with Alex Garland um, and going back to, you know, the fact that he, he did with uh, what he did with ex machina is I, I I enjoy the movies for what they are, but I find that sometimes the interviews that he does and what he says about the movies, how he explains the movies that he makes, kind of diminishes the movie experience to me. Because um, like with Ex Machina, I can't remember the exact quote, and I, I wish I could remember it. But he was a, he was being interviewed, and he explained what Ex Machina was about. And the way he explained it was just like, wait, but that's not what was in the movie. And that's, that's not what you did there in this, what? And so it kind of like, because of that, it kind of messed up my enjoyment of the film. And it's like, and I know that's not really fair because this is, it has nothing to do with the film. That's after he made the film, but still it's like, it feels like the same thing here where he's talking about like, oh, well, I, I, I wrote it based on memory and not, really a direct adaptation it's like yeah you just need to keep your mouth shut because you ruin my enjoyment of your movies just by you talking in these interviews <laughs> <and stuff. laughs> that's awful <laughs> yeah yeah like i don't i don't like you uh your movies are okay but i don't like you too much <laughs> um yeah, that is that is amazing about the book, and I am really interested in. I might uh, sign back up for Audible uh, just so I can listen to the audiobook of for Annihilation and for the other books as well because it sounds way more interesting. And uh, for our listeners who are 
who are probably interested in giant monster movies, because that's why else would you be listening to this podcast? Um, what you said there means that there's like more of that in the books and they can get more of that fix, that giant monster fix in the novel. So that gives them, you know, you should well, it sounds that. like there's more, it sounds like there's more world 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 building. There we go. Words yeah. are hard today. <laughs> Um, there's more world building in the books than what we got in the film. And I know, and I understand that there's only so much you can do in a, in a two hour movie. Yeah. Uh, but I wish that they would have did. I wish they would have dived a little bit deeper, like Travis said, into the more psychological element of the film and made it, uh, a l- even, even push the envelope just a, a hair more in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we've got we've got um, still some more stuff we need to get to, so let's go ahead and move on because we've already been recording for an hour and a half now. <laughs> um, and uh, oh, it's been got, fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So let's go ahead and get into our Godzuki score. And man, does this feel inappropriate for this movie? Oh, <laughs> 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 the type of movie that we've been talking about. But we like to rate our movies out of five Godzukis uh, instead of uh, five stars or anything like that because we like to embrace the sillier side of giant monster movies. Um, so out of five Godzukis. <laughs> I gotta do it. <laughs> uh, how many uh, Godzukis would you give the film Annihilation Destiny? I am somewhere between a three and a four. Um, and I think I'm I think I'm gonna say I think I'm gonna say four because of my initial watch of the movie. I really liked it. And then I think the three score comes in because after I read the book and I'm like, oh, this is nothing like the book. Um, But I'm like, if I'm thinking about the movie itself, I enjoyed it. It was weird. It can be trippy. It checks all the boxes for me. Psychological monster movie. Awesome ladies, you know, out there surviving. Um, and I appreciate it for what it is and what it does. So I'm going to say four Godzukis. Nice. Uh, do you want that to be your final thoughts too? Or do you have some more final thoughts that you want to? Um, nope. I promise those are, my, those are my final, final thoughts. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just, yeah, I just want to make sure that you have, you get to say whatever you want about this film because it is completely, completely open to you. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I, I'm I'm right there with you, Destiny. I really think I was kind of debating on do I give it a three, do I give it a four? Because I'm kind of in between, and three and a half just seemed a little weird. So I ended up settling on four too because I did really enjoy this movie. I think it's excellent cerebral sci-fi um, mixed with the creature horror aspects. Um, I, I like I mentioned the movie's gross and unsettling, and while also being beautiful. Uh, one of the things I wrote down in my final notes, because I always write them down here so I can uh, just read them out, but I, I said the world of the film is bright, vibrant, and colorful, but still manages to be scary, which is something very unique to horror films because you don't – most horror films are very dark, dingy, kind of drab. This is not that. This is very different, and I, so I appreciate that. I also really appreciate the main characters are well acted. They, they feel real. They're very well done. Um, but 
I just keep going back to that main complaint, the the framing devices and the flashbacks, the way the story was told was just could be, a lot of it could have been eliminated to make room for more interesting mm-hmm. elements. Um, you know, drawing from the book or more original stuff. And so I, I that just really, really brings it down for me. But ultimately, my feeling is the film fits into a very small sh- subgenre of sci-fi that's not for everyone. And I will admit that this is, this is not a movie that everyone will enjoy. But the people who enjoy those types of movies will enjoy this movie. Uh, Michael, what are your Godzilla yeah. yeah. final thoughts? Yeah, I wouldn't definitely call this film a popcorn movie. Like it, definitely, it definitely did its job. It entertained me. It had inter- it had fairly interesting characters. The concept, the concept overall, is extremely interesting to me. You know, this alien life form that's that comes to Earth to experiment with our environment to create, um, to create something new either because it has to or just because simply it wants to. Um, that's a really interesting concept to me. Uh, the creatures, the creature design was, I, I'm, I'm with destiny. I wish that they would have integrated more creatures from the actual book into this movie, but I don't know. I'm not sure how that would have translated on screen, honestly. Um, so creature design. Okay. Uh, overall, I think 80% is fair. I think giving it a four out of five for me also is a fair way to look at this film. It's not my favorite movie. Uh, It's definitely enjoyable. I enjoyed it, but I'm not going to show, but I'm like you, Travis, I'm not going to show this to everybody. Um, But I did enjoy what I saw because again, it entertained me. It was an interesting story. Uh, It made me slightly uncomfortable, which that's like we were talking about earlier. Uh, the, the film literally gave me goosebumps, which I rarely get anymore when I watch a movie. Um, so that's always a, that's a plus. Um, but there was just so much, there was just so many plot holes and things that I feel like could have been explained in a more concise way that that's the reason why I'm going to go ahead and give this a four out of five for me as well. All right, nice. So that, uh, I guess, completes our discussion of Annihilation. Um, We really, it it seemed like, well, you heard our final thoughts. I'm not going to go into it. (laughs) Um, But before we uh, move into, you know, finishing off the episode, I did want to give the floor back to Destiny to talk about something very special that you have been working on um, along with some other people um that is coming up really soon and that is a kickstarter for girls who love monsters now i'm gonna hand the floor back over to you and let you describe this because i want people to know about this thank you so much um yes so i am organizing an anthology um entitled girls who love monsters and it is an anthology of short stories, photography, um, comics, illustration, like poetry, you name it. Um, We have about uh, 37 um, other very, very extremely talented, wonderful people um, taking part in this project. Um, And it's, the, the title is a little misnomer, it's called Girls Who Love Monsters, but any, anyone, 
who identified as um, a woman or non-binary individual um, was encouraged to apply. So it's not just cisgendered women. Um, so I want to just put that out there that this is a very like tried to be very inclusive um, project. Um, this project is very near and dear to my heart because obviously like as a woman, um, I grew up um, as a little girl, I loved dinosaurs and I loved Godzilla and I thought I was the only person. And I'm very fortunate that I found my husband who also like loves all the same stuff. And, um, you know, I, I was like, you know what? I don't really have a lot of other girlfriends who are like into this. And so when we, we sort of hang out and I'm always like, you know, that's not something that I can talk about with a lot of people. So I started getting more involved in the overall like kaiju fandom and realized that my assumptions about what the fandom were like um, were correct. And I just, one day I was just like, I am so tired of having to prove my existence to people. It's, it becomes very exhausting. And I was like, I wonder, I'm like, other people have got to feel the same way. I was at G-Fest one year, and I was so happy that um, a group of women, including Morgan Frank, um, Matt Frank's wife, they did a panel just about women and fandom. I think also Christine Chapman and Jessica, I forget her last name, were there. Um, they're all wonderful. Um, and so that sort of inspired me to kind of put something out there to one, you know, kind of let people know that it's like, we're here and we've always been here. And, you know, we're not, we're not trying to take over anything, you know, we're not trying to claim something and say that, you know, you're not allowed to enjoy this thing anymore. We just want to share. It's all just about sharing that mm. we're different. Um, and we also like this thing and our differences are what can bring us together over like also what we enjoy. Um, yeah, that's so, excellent. Thanks. And I, um, Raphael Coronelli, who does the Daikaiju Yuki book series, he wrote a forward for the book. Um, so I'm really excited about that as well. Um, he wrote a very nice piece that you know, I kind of asked him to sh to be a be a voice to kind of bridge the gap between you know between us and this fandom. So, mm. um, and the book is not explicitly um, giant monsters. It's monsters mm. of it's monsters of all types. So right. you'll see like um, some D and D like inspired pieces or just some general horrors inspired pieces yeah and then there's some kaiju inspired pieces as well um so i and i just it's i'm very passionate about it and i really mm -hmm. just hope that other people um will you know find it inspiring and i wanted to make sure that it's at least teen friend like lower like young teen friendly right. um that way parents could um, share it with their young children or mm -hmm. old, older children if they found that they're also um, a fan of that. 
um, because I think it's important to not feel alone. And I feel like if I had something like that when I was younger, I it would have been hugely impactful for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's super important um, because, you know, that's something that I like to talk about on my on my podcast and Destiny. I do plan on having you on after I after I take my short uh, social media sabbatical for a couple of weeks. Oh, good for uh, you. I wanna, I, I want, yeah, definitely. I want to, um, I want to, I want to invite you on so we can, so you and I can dive a little bit deeper into, into all that. Um, because I do think it's important because it's important to one thing that I've learned too in this fandom is a lot of us, you know, didn't have this community growing up. And so we're all excited and we're all just kind of talking to each other and there's really no, uh, you know, some conversations are constructive, some aren't. Um, and yeah, it's just, ha- it's just great to see folks like you who are doing things for this community, uh, where, you know, us, uh, old, you know, us growing up, we didn't have that. So hopefully that the, the generation that comes after us will have something like this to look back on. But let me ask you really quick: Is it going to be um, is it going to be a book of just uh, art? Is it going to be sort of an art book, or is there going to be a story and a narrative to it? Um, it's it does not have a narrative. It okay. it does have. I have written an introduction, and each sure. artist has written their own um, artist statement or a little blurb about themselves. Um, okay. But it's more or less a celebration of the women who love monsters. Okay. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Um, that, I was just uh, curious. Go ahead, Michael. I was just going to say, I, I was just curious if there was like, if it was going to, if there was going to be sort of a, a storyline to this where like all these fantastic artists contribute to the story through their art, or if it was just, if it was going to be like just a way for you to showcase all the different female artists within this fandom it's that second one <laughs> gotcha yeah. okay and the kickstarter yeah. goes live on october 1st i should mention and there's a bunch of um i was heads down this month like cranking stuff out so i've got some really awesome like print designs and things like that so we have some nice like backer rewards and stuff too if you're interested yeah, that's that's what I was going to uh, that's what I was going to highlight too with, or ask you about was uh, when the Kickstarter was starting, what kind of things could people expect from it? Um, so where I know Michael was just going to ask, where can people go now to support this? Um, when it you said October first is when it's starting. Yeah. So that actually is when this episode comes out would be tomorrow. So uh, yeah, when this episode goes live tomorrow, uh, people would be able to support the Kickstarter. So can you give people, you know, a place to, to go and search for it? Definitely. So comes out tomorrow. You can search on Kickstarter. Uh, we're, I'm also on major social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, at girls number four monsters. Nice. Nice. And, if- and we will put all the links in the description too, for anybody who is interested in this. Yeah. Um, and I did want to say, uh, one thing, I'm trying to straighten my microphone. One thing I really appreciate. I am, uh, um, I'm a, uh, 
comic book fan, along with, you know, being a, a monster movie fan. And one of the things that uh, I see a lot, especially in the comic book community, is, you know, comic books have been something that was, since, since mo- comic books were mostly read by men for a long time in the past, they were kind of geared towards men. But then you do have a lot of, especially modern days, you have a lot of female readership in comic books. But the the women and, and female uh, fans tend to be drowned out by the by all the male voices that are there, and we kind of see that in a lot of fandoms. And so I know for people like me and Michael and other ones, you know, along. Uh, you know, along with us, and there's nothing wrong with with all of our friends. Uh, Monsters vs. Mm-hmm. Men, Tokyo Lives, but it seems like the 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 giant monster fandom and community is one of those ones that again is it's very dominated by a lot of loud male voices, and sometimes hey, the, now speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> now and 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 that's like I said, nothing wrong with that, but the the kind of the smaller uh the smaller communities or, or smaller groups of people within the community tend to get overshadowed or overlooked and so i am all about highlighting the groups within the community that don't get the recognition or the attention that they deserve so i was when i found out about this project i was like yes you have to be on the podcast because i we have to highlight this because this is such a great project um and so i just wanted to say how much just from from my perspective how much i enjoy what you're doing here thank you so much yeah absolutely (laughs) it's been a i mean it has been a real pleasure but what i was going to ask you destiny before travis rudely interrupted me um (laughs) was will this will this book be available on like Amazon or Barnes and Noble or anywhere like people can just buy it online and get like a physical copy will it be all digital how's that going to work no right now it is just the kickstarter so the kickstarter okay. is help is to help us print 500 copies gotcha. um we have stretch goals to print more copies but it's going to be sure. a limited run um and that's one of the reasons is I've got to make sure that I pay everybody. And right. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That, so, that's yeah. totally fair. Um, now I wanted to ask you too, um, are there any other names? Oh, we know you're involved in it, but what, what other names uh, can people expect to see as far as opening? Is there anybody who is that we might recognize uh, with the contributed to the book? Yes. Oh my gosh. Let me see. Um, I'm going to name drop, uh, Jennifer Lynn Larson. She is a cosplayer. She's uh-huh. the one, the one person in our book is doing, um, a cosplay. She's friends, um, with Matt Frank. So he actually introduced me to her. Um, she's very cool. If you guys have been to G-Fest, um, Daikaiju, she goes by Daikaiju Danielle online. Um, she's in there. Uh, Let's see. I'm trying to think if there's, I mean, there's so many other great people. We've got some people named Meredith Laxton. She's been really cool. Um, Lindsay Little. Um, she has a comic, a web comic called Oni Girl. That's really adorable that I highly recommend everyone check out. 
Um, I don't have my files open right now. Otherwise, I would just read through <laughs> everybody. Um, yeah, I, I assume that uh, I assume our friend Lisa Nafziger is going to be a part of the book as well. Uh, unfortunately, no. She okay. has yeah. So um, for and for a while, like there are a couple of people that that did have to drop out um, due to time okay. constraints. Sophie sure. Campbell was involved for a little bit, um, but she got preoccupied with um, the Ninja Turtles comic. But, you know, mm. we have a stretch goal for Girls Who mm. Love Monsters Volume 2. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I'm really hoping that, I'm hoping that this project is a success. And from what I've been sort of seeing and observing myself, I think it's going to. I think I think you are doing a fantastic I think you're doing a fantastic job. You know, um, I don't know if you guys are going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, before that That's happens, what we wanted to do Destiny. Yeah. No, before that happens, we we we're gonna. <laughs> we don't want to. We just wanted to. We really wanted to highlight um, this this great project, and uh, of course, me and Michael both are planning so, to support it. And we encourage anyone who is listening, if you are a fan of giant monsters. Please, please, please go support this because it is nice to not only are we getting uh, a book that is based around monsters of all kinds, but also you're doing some good by uh, highlighting voices that don't get a lot of attention in the community, in the fandom, whatever word you want to use there. (laughs) So, uh, so that's, that's. What that's the main takeaway. We want to tell all of our listeners, go support yeah. this Kickstarter. Oh, thank you. And, and I really hope I really hope that it comes to fruition and that um that people get some enjoyment out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And Destiny, I don't know if you mentioned it before, but where can folks find and interact with you online? I am also on all of the major social medias as Kaiju Hebe. So Twitter, Instagram. um, I recently restarted Facebook like a year or two ago. So you can add me as a friend on there. Um, You know, I just post my artwork. Mm -hmm. I'm most prolific, I think, on on Twitter. So that's like, I know a lot of people don't like it, but I'm like, this is my home. <laughs> this is where all my friends hang out right now we yeah. get it we totally yeah. get it totally do yep. all right and like we said earlier we're going to put all of the links to all of your social medias and to girls who love monsters in the description um so the only other thing we gotta do to close out this episode is we're gonna ask the trivia question that hints to the movie that we are going to be reviewing on next week's episode uh, and that is the trivia question is what monster movie that premiered the same year as the original Godzilla has a 100% critics score on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, what? Interesting. What? Yeah. I know. I, uh, if I didn't know what was on the list, I would be confused by this question as well. Destiny. <laughs> yeah. A monster movie that has a 100% critic score. And it's not even based on like one critics review. It's, it is like 30 critics and it's all, you know, it, the, it, it's a 100% score. So. It's, wow. Uh, yeah, so I am looking forward to that. And we are going to have another special guest uh, on next week's episode. So we're looking forward to that. So to finish off this episode, I just wanted to yep. say thank you again to Destiny for joining us. 
And thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Kaiju Weekly and at Kaiju Groupie Pod. That's me and Michael. All the links to our social media as well as for the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group are listed in the description of this episode. You can send questions, comments, or answers to our trivia questions to our email, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. And we also want to say a big thank you to Alex, Shijir, and Thorax for supporting us on Patreon. And by the way, Thorax hasn't interacted with us in a while. I need to send a message to him and, and see what's going on, because he used to interact with us a lot, and we haven't heard yeah, from him. Yeah, I've noticed that, too. I've noticed that, too. Thorax, get it together. Yeah, yeah, Thorax. I hope everything's okay but with you. If, I'm I'm playing the nice guy. I hope absolutely. everything's okay with you. <laughs> Travis, you're always too nice. But you know what also would be nice? If people would go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Just like I say every week, you can criticize us all you want in the comments, but please make it five stars worth. And we promise we will read that feedback on a future episode. What that's going to do is that's going to put this show in front of other kaiju and tokusatsu fans just like you. And it's also just going to spread the word about this show so that we can continue to interact with fantastic people just like destiny here and put on what we hope anyway is a fantastic show and a really interesting discussion each and every week. Yeah. And in fact, we actually have a new uh, five-star review on uh, our Apple uh what whatchamacallit podcasting thing <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> i got sleep brain <laughs> i got sleep brain there we got a new five-star review for me to read out uh it is from elijah uh our friend elijah has finally finally uh given us a five-star review but he wrote a sort of homecoming this podcast brings me back to a time when I saw the true value of these films without needing all the nitty gritty info. Travis and Michael show us what it's like to be fans of this stuff and not having to be know-it-alls. Elijah, are you saying we don't know what we're talking about? Is that, is that kind of a backhanded comment? Uh, the fun. I, I think it's. I think it's a backhanded compliment. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the fun you get from this podcast reminds me of the old days when I would talk to my father about these kaiju films. I adore the uh, embracement of all sides of the kaiju spectrum, and this show delivers it. One of the most entertaining and fun Godzilla slash kaiju podcasts available. Thank you so much, Elijah, for sending that five star review. And like Michael said, if you uh, listener, give us a five-star review. We will read out your comments on the podcast. Even the backhanded compl- compliments. <laughs> <laughs> and this is so, lame. Five stars. Yeah. We'll, we'll read it out. If it's five stars, we'll, we'll read it out no matter what. Um, so just to close out this episode, I'm going to say help control the giant mutant bear population. Have your crawlers spayed or neutered. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Thank you. Thank you.